The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. So this week, we're kicking off a brand new series, and we're going to talk about offense. And the title of my message this morning is, You Are Wrong for That. So if you want to write that down, you can write that down as a title. You can also look on version, and you can follow along as well. So what are we going to do when we're done wrong? Because it's going to happen, right? It seems that people in general are sponges for offense, It's either we're getting offended by something someone did to us or something that someone did to someone else that we just kind of absorb that offense. We even get offended when we watch TV and other people talk to one another on talk shows about how one has offended the other and we pick a side and we get offended with them. It seems that we get offended at talk radio, the news editorial, speeches, our neighbor, our neighbor's kid, the boss, someone looked at us, someone didn't look at us. Maybe someone didn't respond in a timely manner to a text message, or the, they didn't give an appropriate response because we basically wrote a novel and they responded with K. <laughs> As if somehow my amazing text message didn't respond, didn't deserve a better response. You know, all the stuff we get offended over, it's absolutely exhausting. Should we just let everyone run over us? Should we bottle up our feelings? How how do we respond to being offended? Should we tell everyone about everything that offends us and everything that bothers us all the time? Oh, wait a minute, that's called Facebook. I'm sorry. The question I meant to ask was, why do we get offended and how do we deal with it? So let's talk this morning about being wronged because it has happened. It is currently happening or it will happen at some point in your life, I guarantee it. But I'm not going to stand here. I'm not going to tell you, don't get offended. I think you're smarter than that, and you know that offense isn't healthy when we bottle this stuff up and we hang on to it. So why do we do it? Let's look at that. Go to the Bible, James chapter 3. Let's look at what James says. And this very much applies to the subject matter today on offense, because here in the third chapter of the book of James, is one of the more well-known portions of James where he's talking about the tongue. He's talking about the power of our words and taming the tongue. So here's what James says in the third chapter, verse 16. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. He said that where jealousy and where selfish ambition exist, you're going to find all kinds of junk. 
where that's the motivator, where that's the reason, where that's the thing that is keeping you going is that selfish ambition or that jealousy, where those things are hanging out, guarantee you're going to find an open door to all kinds of evil. So what that really means is that selfish people get offended and stay offended. And we're all selfish at some level. We all have our own self-interest in mind and therefore we can all have the tendency to shift and drift into selfish mode where it's all about us. The primary reason that we get offended is because our expectation of how everyone should treat us and the reality of how they actually treat us are often two different things. We expect to be treated a certain way. We expect people to love us a certain way, especially if they call themselves Christian. We have a certain level of expectation. And when people disappoint us, when they don't meet up to our expectation, we have an opportunity to be offended. Most everyone in here has probably had this experience where they've gone to a restaurant and you went with this expectation of having great food, great service, with a smile. And you got the exact opposite. You got the opposite of what you were expecting. You got poor food. You got terrible service. And it makes us want to react and respond with anger, frustration, disappointment, negativity. All of a sudden, our day is ruined because our glass did not get refilled when it should. Don't ask me if I need a refill. I still have food on my plate that wasn't made the specific way that I ordered it with my complicated order. How dare you ask me if I need a refill? I'm not even finished with my food. If my glass is empty, why don't you just fill it up? We get angry. We get irritated. We get frustrated. And we don't even consider that perhaps the manager is struggling that day to staff the restaurant because maybe he or she had some people call in last minute that they were sick or maybe some people just didn't show up and he or she's operating on a skeleton crew and just trying to make this thing happen. We don't even think about that. We don't think that perhaps our server at the restaurant just got some really bad news and maybe they're trying to process that or deal with something, but they still have to show up to work because they have to pay the bills and they can't just go away from work to try to fix this situation. And all that's weighing on their mind and they miss a detail or they may miss something. And here we are allowing our expectations to fuel our offense and we allow that offense to cause us to react in ways that are really ungodly and really selfish at heart. Maybe they were just lazy that day. Maybe it is just a bad restaurant that's run really poorly. And maybe your expectations are completely justifiable and maybe your reasoning for your frustration is completely justifiable, does that still give you the right to be offended? Does that still give you permission then because there were no justifiable options and your, your rationale was completely justified? Does that then give you permission? Does that give you the green light to be offended? You see, just because we don't get what we want doesn't mean we have the right to be offended. We instantly think about ourselves. We instantly go negative. We instantly think, I'm not getting my expectations met. Even if our reasoning is not justified, or if it is, we rarely look at the circumstances around. We rarely look at maybe this is an opportunity to be patient, to be kind, to show God's love. Nope, we just get upset. 
and we get offended over what someone said, didn't say. Some of the most easily offended people I've ever met in my life are often those that will claim to be the most spiritual, or at least they act like they are. They, at their root, try to control other people's perception of them by drawing attention to themselves through their outward actions or through constantly exercising their superior view of their interpretation of spiritual things or their superior morality or they're constantly judging others with a critical spirit because offense at its core is driven by selfishness. I just came back from Ohio last night. I was on vacation and as we were driving through all of the different states to get back to Wisconsin, we ended up on I-90. Have any of you guys ever done I-90 with all the tolls before? Woo-hoo. Man, there's tolls everywhere. I didn't even know that many tolls existed. And then all of the, every four miles, there was like this massive construction that would, you know, cause you to, you know, it, it's that season of time, you know, of the year again where those orange things start, you know, growing out of the ground. You know, it's, it's that season. And man, it seemed like every time, every four or five miles, we're running a road construction. So frustrating. And here we were trying to get back home. It was late at night last night. And something really cool that they have in Indiana is you can actually pay for your toll uh, by just swiping your debit card just right there at the deal. And then the arm goes up and you just drive on through. That was super sweet. And I don't know why everyone else hasn't figured that out. Instead of having that panic of, do I have loose change? Oh, no. What's going to happen? I'm going to have to drive through the I-Pass and I don't have the sticker thing. And they're going to take a picture of my car. But anyways... It was great. Just roll down the window, swipe the card, arm lifts up, boom, you're gone. I loved it. Well, we got to one place where this individual that was in front of us that didn't know how to operate this, they were just confused. They were leaning out their window, doing their cards up and down just frantically. You could tell this person was just really nervous and upset, just trying to figure out how to get this arm to lift. And man, it just wasn't working for them. They were holding the card the wrong way or pushing the wrong button. They were doing something wrong and they were just freaking out. Well, there was a guy behind us that had had it. All right. I was frustrated because I've been driving through toll after toll and here I am at yet another toll and I've been driving through all this construction and I just want to get home. I got to preach in the morning, right? I'm just trying to get my family home. My daughter wasn't feeling well. I'm kind of at wit's end. And then this guy behind me, he starts honking, yelling, all kinds of craziness. He even tries to put his car in reverse and back up. But then another car comes and sandwiches him in. So now he's even more upset. Why can't you figure this out? Just swipe the card. Let's go already. (laughs) You know, to help calm the situation down. And to help the person rationally think to be able to properly swipe the card. This guy was encouraging this person, obviously. He's honking and throwing a fit. Why? Because his expectation is not being met. His expectation is, man, any idiot should be able to just swipe a card, arm lift, and you'll be able to drive through. That should be your expectation, right? It's a rational expectation. But this person didn't get it. And so this person was getting all worked up and all upset. Why? Because they were only thinking about themselves. And they were only making the other person more upset and, and, and more nervous trying to figure it out. Well, guess what? They finally figured out the arm lifted. We all went on our merry way. And it actually made me calm down a little bit from my frustration going, wow, that guy's being really edgy. I need to chill out because it's really not that big of a deal. 
But selfish people, they get offended. They stay offended. Bryant McGill says this, the feeling of being offended is a warning indicator that is showing you where to look within yourself for unresolved issues. It's kind of putting the magnifying glass on some unresolved issues in yourself, not necessarily you being able to deflect to other people as your problem. It's actually showing you things in you that you need to take a closer look at because offense comes from unmet expectations. And sometimes, folks, there is no good reason for your expectations not being met. Sometimes your expectations are just reasonable as they could be, but that doesn't give us the freedom and permission to be offended. It doesn't justify our offense. Turn back just a page or so to James chapter 1, if you still have your Bible open to the book of James, and let's look at James 1 and 19. James says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He said, be quick to hear, be slow to speak, be slow to react. Be slow to how you're going to deal with this situation, but yet be quick to pay attention to what's actually going on, to listen, to engage. When our expectations aren't met, rational or not, we need to slow down, and we need to take a view of reality and listen to what someone is saying, to what's actually happening, to take into consideration what could be happening, and for us to realize that, hey, this is exposing something in me that I need to deal with at this moment because I may embarrass myself, I may act out of my flesh, I may feed that beast of selfishness that exists on the inside of me even more and open up myself to all kinds of evil because that's what James said, that it's in the open door for all kinds of evil junk that comes out. Because here's the deal, when I look at reality, I need to understand something. Reality is neutral. Reality is neither good nor bad. Reality just exists, and it is what it is. The only thing that makes reality good or bad is your perception and your expectation. That's it. Reality just exists. You come home, and the dishes are still there, and the house isn't clean, and you thought that the house was going to be clean when you got home. That was your expectation. Reality says it didn't happen. And what do we do? The further away that our expectation is from reality, the more heightened our response is going to be. The further away that we get from the reality of the situation and we only focus on our selfish expectation and that becomes more important than dealing with reality at the level that reality is existing because it's neutral, the more heightened our response is going to be. We're going to blow up because we were expecting something to be done. We were expecting other people to treat us a certain way. or We, ex we were expecting people to not be a certain way. And when those expectations aren't met, man, we take that personally, and we get hurt, and we harbor those feelings, and we own those feelings, and we own those thoughts, and we replay those things over and over in our head saying, you are wrong for that. How dare you? How dare you? And we begin to harbor those things in our heart and hold on to those unmet expectations, justified or not. We hold on to them, and they begin to poison us, and they begin to be toxic to our lives, to our relationships, to our perception of other people, to the way we'll trust other people. It becomes toxic in our lives. That's why James says, be slow to speak. Be slow to respond. 
but be quick to listen. You see, reality is neutral. And we all need to look at things for what's actually happening, to take in reality, and then deal with reality with what it is, and take it one step at a time, instead of allowing our expectations and our emotions to get in the driver's seat. We need to engage what other people are saying instead of jumping to conclusions. Because we get in this emotional flurry to where we begin to all of a sudden assume so much. And we begin to piece together this story that may or may not even be factual. But we piece it together based on our assumption, well, this person just doesn't really care anymore. Well, this person just doesn't care about me because they walked right past me and didn't even say hello. And we build this whole story up. Well, I bet they're mad about this and this and this. I'm going to go creep on their Facebook page to see if they're talking to someone else. And we go build this whole story on a false narrative that's built on a fence, that's built on this expectation of people having to do things a certain way. They didn't respond to that email in a timely manner. You know, I think that 30 minutes is a good window to respond to my email. That's my expectation. Man, that's pretty far away from reality. And I'm going to get offended because you didn't respond to my email when I thought you should. And I'm going to get upset. And then the dangerous and toxic thing that I do is not only do I stay upset and offended up here because my expectation is so far away from reality, but then I go and I try to form a club of other people who want to share in my offense. And then people get offended about the thing that I was offended about, and they may not even know the person that offended me. They may have never met them. But boy, if they run into them in a dark alley, boy, I'll tell you what, I'm going to give them, you know, what for. Because they were wrong for that. And we begin to gossip, we begin to spread negativity, and it just, it's just toxic to our lives. This is why offense is so dangerous and toxic to Christ followers especially, because we who are believers, we who are followers of Christ, the church, we allow ourselves to get up in arms over things that split churches, that hurt people, that hurt our message, that causes tension between people that are supposed to be all about love, forgiveness, and reconciliation. Because you know that's our message, right? Right? <laughs> I would refer you to last week's message about it as well with my soul. Our message is one of love, forgiveness, and reconciliation because the message that we have as Christ followers is one that would say we have sinned against a holy and righteous and perfect God. We have blown it, and we need to admit we've blown it. And He loves us so much that He would forgive us and want us back after the way we rejected Him and the way we've sinned against Him and the way we've violated all of the things that He has said, this is how you're supposed to live. And we still reject those ways. And he still says, I'll still love you. I'll still forgive you. Who does that? Our God does. Because I don't care how bad you've blown it, he still will welcome you back, will he not? Will he not? Is that the love of our God? And the Bible says that to whom much is given, much is required. And we have been given much. We have been forgiven much. So that means that when we harbor up this bitterness, that we're holding on to something that we're not supposed to hold on to that we're allowing something to poison our lives, that we're wanting to keep close to the chest 
because it somehow makes us feel like we can control something and we wish failure upon other people and we want people to see that we were right. We want people to see, oh yeah, we got them. They shut down that company. I knew they would, that old rotten boss. I knew they were going to close the way they were doing things. Man, I'm glad that they're shut down. Or, oh man, I'm glad that church shut down. Man, those people over there, they weren't right anyways. Who are we to say this stuff? We who have sinned and violated God, and yet he says he forgives us and welcomes us just as we are. And yet we look at other people and we wish failure upon them. Your ex-spouse that maybe you would go, yeah, I knew he or she was, they were going to have another failed relationship. Because we're so offended that we're not praying for those people, we're not loving those people, we're not forgiving those people. Instead, we're wishing they fail. And when they do, we kind of puff our chest out. Told you so. As if that were somehow God-honoring. You see, John Bevere says this. I, I love this. He says, Offended people still may experience miracles, words of utterance, strong preaching, and even healing in their lives. But these are gifts of the Spirit, not fruits. The Bible says we'll be judged according to our fruit, not our gifting. A gift is given, but fruit is cultivated. You see, if we're supposed to be all about reconciliation, if we're supposed to be all about forgiveness, if we're supposed to be containers of this love of God, then why have we preached an amen so well and we've lived so poorly? I'm talking to myself because I know there's situations in my life, even as I preach this message, I began to think about, man, there's situations that I've held on to for way too long. And what good has it done me and what good has it done other people? And is that God honoring? That doesn't mean that I just jump in and I just start trusting that person and, and everything's okay and, and I just let everyone run over me. No, 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 that's, that's not at all what I'm saying. You still need to be wise as serpent and, and, and as gentle as a dove, as Scripture says. But we need to make sure that we're not allowing this stuff to hinder our own personal growth and maturity, and that comes through trusting Christ. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul says this, you were called to freedom, brothers, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Verse 14, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. But this is what I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these things are opposed to each other. They keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, they're evident. He begins to list these things off, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies. He couples all this stuff together. And things like this, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and with its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. 
That takes trust to live that way, does it not? you got to trust in Christ because, man, trusting in Christ cultivates the ground of our heart. Jesus over and over again talked about the ground of our heart. He talked about how if the tree is good, then the fruit is going to be good. And if the tree is bad, then the fruit is going to be bad, right? He said out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. He said that life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it are going to eat its fruit. He tells us over and over again this stuff is coming out of us. It's not what is in, but rather what comes out that shows, that exposes this woundedness, that exposes our hurt, that exposes how we're holding on to offense. When we begin to constantly speak about these things, relive these things, rehash these things over and over again, as if the person were sitting right next to you with the fresh offense all over again, never letting those things go. And I'm not saying that what happened to you was right. I'm not saying that it was just. I'm not saying that it was deserved. But I am saying that for you to grow past it and for you to mature and for you to find healing, you're going to have to trust Christ and do things His way. That sounds easy, but it's not because it takes faith. That means you have to step out into an uncomfortable space and begin to trust that Christ's way is going to be better than your way and that His way is going to help you to heal and be free. Your way is going to keep you in bondage. Matthew 18, verse 15 through 22, Jesus talks about how we should handle when someone does us wrong. He says we go to them in love, and then he says that they won't listen. We bring some other people with us in love, and we try to reconcile the matter. And then if they don't hear it, he said, then we tell it to the church and we say, we gotta, we've got to distance ourselves. Reconciliation is not going to happen. And here's how we're going to have to handle this from now on. And so then at that point, reconciliation is not going to happen and repentance is not going to happen, but yet we're still supposed to be open to the idea of forgiveness and reconciliation. So he said, listen, make several attempts is the point. And don't give up is what Jesus says in Matthew 18. He says, listen, don't give up just because it didn't work out the way that you thought it would. Because how many times have you gone to someone to try to talk to them about an offense, and you tried to bring it to their attention, and you got more offended walking away from that conversation? You're like, man, that was a waste of time. It did not go the way I thought it was going to go. I thought that it was going to be like an episode of, you know, Full House. You know, Danny Tanner was going to talk to little Stephanie about how she shouldn't have been so mean to Michelle. And then she realizes the error of her ways. The music is cued, and then all of a sudden they hug and aw, and we cry. And it's a wonderful story, and we all just feel this warm fuzzy on the inside. Sometimes it doesn't go that way. Sometimes it goes the way that you were hoping where... Man, the other person's broken, they cry, they repent. Oh, those are wonderful experiences. But what about when you confront someone about an offense and they don't respond that way? Are you going to walk away more offended? It's like offended 2.0. <laughs> it's a whole nother level of offense. Is that where you're going to go with it? Or are you going to still trust Christ that you're going to follow his direction and you're going to do what he wants you to do and handle the situation he wants you to handle it without you having to look into your crystal ball with how the person's going to respond. Oh, I know them. I know how they're going to respond to that. I know if I tell my spouse this or if I tell my boss this or I tell my neighbor or my friend or my family member this, I know how they're going to respond to that. I know them. I spend a lot of time with them, and I know them really well. We've already got them figured out. We already think we know how they're going to respond when you have no idea. 
You just assume they're going to respond a certain way, and so therefore, you keep your offense to yourself, and you bottle it up, and you sweep it under the rug, and you don't ever deal with it. Well, I'm telling you today, it's time for us to deal with this stuff because it's going to help us to grow in Christ. Amen? We're called to grow in sanctification. We're called to grow in glorifying God, and that means taking some steps in faith, doing what Jesus said to do without us really knowing how the other person is going to respond, but knowing that it's what Jesus said to do. And if Jesus said to do it, then I need to trust that His way is better than my way. Because if you just hold on to it, and you try to predict the future of how they're going to react and respond, or you try to manipulate them to get a certain response, or you try to make them feel bad, so you'll feel better. You try to demonize them in the public eye in order to make yourself look better. Listen, that's all poison to our heart. Even the Lord's Prayer deals with this issue. What does He say? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This is a big deal to God. This is part of the heart of God. Matter of fact, Jesus told a parable about this guy that owed his boss a lot of money, really a debt that couldn't be paid back. Even if the guy worked his entire life and got a raise, <laughs> he couldn't pay this debt back. And he just knew this was going to mean that his family was going to be thrown in prison. He knew that they were going to be sold into slavery. He just knew bad things were coming because he couldn't pay this debt. And so this man, in his desperation, goes to his boss and says, hey, will you please forgive me of this debt? I, I am at your mercy. I can't pay what I owe you. And he says, yes, I'll, I'll forgive you. He had mercy on him, and he forgave him. And then the same guy that was forgiven goes and finds somebody who owed him a little bit of money. And he said, where's my money? And the guy said, I can't pay you back. Please have mercy on me. And he said, nope, throw this guy in jail until he can pay me back every cent that I'm owed with interest. And Jesus gives this illustration to say, how quickly do we forget of how much we've been forgiven that we want to hold things over other people's heads and hold on to things? And Jesus follows that up right after he gets through telling that parable. One of his disciples, Peter, you guys know Peter, the disciple, right? He's always really aggressive and really excited and wanting to show that he gets it or wanting to ask a real deep question. He says, well, Jesus, it's a good story and all. So are you saying that maybe I should forgive my brother like seven times? Like that's a good number, right? If I forgive him seven times, I'm pretty spiritual, right? Jesus said, nope. Peter, I don't say forgive him seven times. I say forgive him 70 times seven. Peter's going, what? Yes. Keep doing things the way Jesus says to do them, regardless of the response, regardless if they come right back and hurt you again, because this brings honor and glory to God and helps keep your heart healthy and free. Don't allow hardness in your heart. Don't allow this junk to become so hard that it builds into this grudge and this offense that causes you to stumble in your walk with God. And I know what, I know what some of you are thinking. I can almost hear your thoughts coming my way. You're thinking this, you don't know what they did to me. You weren't there. You don't know how bad it hurt me and my family. You don't know how bad it hurt my marriage. You don't know how bad it hurt my kids. You don't know how bad it hurt my reputation. You don't know how bad that it just tarnished my career. You don't know how big of a setback this was for us because of all the other things I've already been through. You weren't there. You don't know. 
And I can almost hear those thoughts. But listen, I want you to know that I've been done wrong. I've been done wrong by folks that claim to be Christians. And I've probably done some people wrong in my lifetime, I'm sure, where I've offended people. I've been hurt pretty bad and disappointed and let down by other people. And in my selfishness, I can't hold on to that offense. And I'm just going to be real with you. Even in preaching this message, as I'm sharing these words with you, faces and names are coming up in my own mind that I'm thinking about, that I'm going, okay, God, I need to let that stuff go. Because I know there's things even I'm tempted to hold on to, justifiably in my own mind so. But yet it's going to be a stumbling block for me. And I don't want those things to be a stumbling block for you. I want you to be able to find healing. I want you to be able to find freedom. I want you to not have to live the rest of your life retelling this story over and over again and reliving this offense over and over again and hitting that replay button over and over again on that story and getting all riled up about it over and over and assembling a club around you of people that you can share the story with so you can relive it, so you can rehash it, so they can understand the pain that you've dealt with, so you can all be hurt yet again. It's like stop picking the scab and let it heal. Stop reopening the wound over and over again. Because if you keep reopening up the wound, it, guess what it's going to happen? When you reopen that wound over and over again, you're increasing your chance for even greater infection. We see this naturally in our own physical body. It's the same way in your heart. And the more that infection gets in there, you want to spread that stuff all throughout your body and to other people. No, you wouldn't want to do that. So we got to grow past this offense by trusting in Christ and doing things His way. I have to trust that Christ's way is better than me holding on to the hurt of the past. So here's what we need to do to be free of offense. You ready for this? Here's what we need to do. We need to forgive quickly. We need to confront in love. And we need to pray regularly. Oh, well, that sounds pretty simple. Yes, it's incredibly simple to say, very difficult to do. All right, so say this out loud with me. Come on, it's on the screen so you can read it with me. Ready? Forgive quickly, confront in love, and pray regularly. One more time. Forgive quickly, confront in love, and pray regularly. All right, so I want you to think about these things. Forgive quickly. It doesn't mean that what the person did was okay. You're not validating that and saying, hey, it's cool, treat me like trash. You're not saying that. But you're saying, I'm not going to wish evil for this person. I'm not going to allow this to set up in my heart. And I'm not going to allow this junk to just, just sit there as that, as that garbage would just sit in your home, not being taken care of, and it just begins to permeate the whole house. And you've had that experience where there's something that's funky going on, man, something stanky happening that somebody didn't clean up. And then that stinky thing has gotten so stinky in your house, but you've been in your house for so long, you've gotten used to it, and you don't even realize it's there anymore. And then someone from the outside that's never been to your house comes in and goes, whoa, what's that? And you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Everyone else smells it, but you don't, because you've gotten so used to it. That's why we've got to forgive quickly, so that stuff doesn't set up, amen? And we get used to it, and it becomes a part of our life. And it becomes a part of who we are and we allow it to shape us and change us and make us into someone we don't even like being. And other people are seeing it. Man, you're edgy. Man, you sure are, you know, snippy. And you sure are just 
really intense. That's because we're holding on to a lot of junk. Or you're depressed. You used to be happy. Or what's going on? And you don't even see it sometimes. But other people do because we get so used to it. So that's why we forgive quickly. We forgive quickly. And then the next one is super important. Confront in love. Confronting in love. I, I, I'm believing in confrontation. I don't believe we just sweep this stuff under the rug. I'm not suggesting we sweep it under the rug and pretend like it never happened. I'm not wanting us to fool ourselves. I'm wanting us to address it as best we can. To confront. But when you confront, do it in love. You want to know how to confront in love? Here's the best way. You want to confront in love? Always make the goal of your confrontation reconciliation. You'll always confront in love if you do that. Every time. If you walk into the situation with the goal of reconciliation, you will always confront in love. That's how you do it. And then pray regularly. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 44, he said, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Didn't Jesus model this for us on the cross? When he had his arms stretched out after being humiliated, beaten, which was rightfully deserved by me, I should have been the one hanging on the cross, but instead Jesus did it in my place, so he wasn't even, it wasn't even justifiable for him to be up there. The just thing would have been for me to be up there, but Jesus went in my place instead and hung on the cross and took my humiliation that I deserved and took the punishment that I deserved and the mocking and the, and the shaming and the beating. That was supposed to be for me because I'm the one who earned that, but Jesus said, no, I'm going to take it instead of you taking it. And what did he do? After being wrongfully accused, he stretched out his arms and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Wow. If you were God and people had just beat you, mocked you, I don't think we would let that get really far, would we? We'd be like lightning bolts now. <laughs> we would be like, yeah, something, yeah, yeah, you, you, you keep on mocking me. I'm going to will something upon you that you're not going to like. That, that, that's why God's perfect and we're not. We can drift over into the flesh and wish something evil on someone that's wounded us and hurt us. But Jesus, the one who actually had the power to do something about it, instead of calling on the angels, he said, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. So here's the thing. A person who cannot forgive is a person that forgets what they've been forgiven of. You can hold on to the hurt. You can keep reliving the past. You can spread the gossip. You can speak the negativity. You can stay offended. You can get others to side with you. But here's the thing. You'll never learn to live victoriously as a follower of Jesus until you deal with this. If you want to shut the devil down in your life, begin to forgive quickly. Begin to confront when you are wronged and do it in love and pray for those people because you can't hate someone that you pray for regularly and sincerely. You can't. It's impossible. You can start off praying and still have a little edge to your prayer. You know what I'm talking about. Lord, I pray you break them. <laughs> break them, Jesus, and show them their sin. Mm, show them their sin. Whatever you have to do, Lord, whatever you got to do, do it. And show them the error of their ways. And Lord, I pray they come crawling back, repenting to me in sackcloth and ashes. But Lord, break them. Break them, Jesus. Mm. 
our motive in those types of prayers isn't necessarily always the most God-honoring. But I can pray for those who have hurt me. And if I do that and I do it sincerely, maybe I start off praying those harsher prayers, but then I continue to pray for that person consistently. And all of a sudden, God begins to work on my heart. And guess what happens to me? I begin to grow up and I begin to mature. And as I begin to mature, then the next time that offense wants to come my way, I know how to handle it. I forgive quickly. I confront in love, and I pray for them. So if they don't respond the way that I hoped and we don't have reconciliation, man, I, I can still pray for them. There was someone that, there was a mutual offense that happened between me and the person, and time passed, and God put it on my heart to write them a letter. And I wrote them a letter, and I detailed some things in there saying, I know I hurt you, and... I know that you hurt me as well, but here's the thing. I want us to have reconciliation because I want to see God glorified through the situation. And I said, at the very least, whether we reconcile or not, know that I'm praying for you and know that the door is always open. And I sent that letter to that person, and guess what? They didn't respond. And that's okay. I still pray for that person. And when I think about that situation that happened between us, I don't have the anger and the rage attached to it and the pity for myself that used to be attached to it. I can still talk about it, but not in order to gain pity or for people to side with me, but because I know that now I can speak to that from a place of health and freedom. I can't say that about everything in my life because, like I said, God's still dealing with me about stuff. But this particular situation, I know that there's healing there. And I know that there's healing there because when I've run into this individual, that animosity is not there like it used to be. I don't instantly think about the wrong that was done when I see them or hear their name mentioned. And I can pray genuine prayers. God bless them. God, I pray that you would just help their marriage to be just awesome. pray you just help them to love you and love one another. I pray that you bless their kids. I pray that you bless the things that you've created them to do. I pray, Father, that you would help them just to grow in loving you and loving other people and serving you. I can pray prayers of blessing. And man, sometimes when you start that stuff, it hurts and it's no fun. And you don't even believe your own prayer. So you know you're not fooling God. <laughs> but you keep pressing through because this is a muscle that you exercise. This forgive quickly, confront in love and pray regularly, this is, an, this is a muscle that maybe right now you're weak in it. And that's okay. you got to start somewhere, right? Maybe you're weak in it, and you don't even believe yourself in those three things. But you got to start somewhere, right? You don't start off running a marathon. You start somewhere. And even if you're not believing it, you've got to hear yourself say those words. God, help me to love them. Help me to forgive them. God, I forgive them. Lord, I want to release that. I want to be free from this. I don't want to live in bondage to this for the rest of my life. I don't want to hand this down to my kids or hand it to my spouse or hand it to my friends. I want to be free from this. I don't want to allow this to control my life. I don't want to keep giving power to these people in this negative situation. Lord, help me to forgive them. I pray prayers of blessing over them. Lord, help me to confront this situation in love. God, help me to forgive as you forgive me. Let me be reminded of the great debt that I owed and how you paid it all so that I can walk free. I pray that you experience freedom like never before. I pray this week is an awesome week for you. That 
you not only hear this word, but you put it into action. That you become a doer of the word. That you take this message because somebody or something is on your mind. A name, a situation, something's on your mind. And that wasn't Derek that put that on your mind. That was the Holy Spirit. Because I'm not preaching this message to try to intentionally stir up drama in your life. But the Holy Spirit, in His love for you, is bringing these things back to your attention again because it's time to deal with it. It's time to forgive. It's time to confront. It's time to pray. It's time to heal. It's time to walk in freedom. And I pray this week is a life-changing week for you. I pray that a weight is lifted off of you. That when offense comes again, because it's coming, you may be offended right now. You may be offended at me. I don't know. But when it comes, you deal with it differently than you did in the past. Because you're stronger, you're more mature, you're more perceptive, you're, you're, you're quick to listen, and you're slow to speak, and you're slow to respond. You're not going to live in the land of assumption. You're not going to live in the land of offense. You're not going to make excuses. You're not going to justify your actions. You're going to move patiently, strategically, and wisely through the opportunity to be offended. So I pray this week that you experience freedom like never before and that you deal with whatever offense that comes your way in a God-honoring, God-glorifying way and that you have the peace of Christ that passes your understanding. So maybe that person is wrong. Maybe they're wrong for what they did. Maybe they are 100% wrong for what they did to you. Okay, it's wrong, they're wrong, what are you going to do about it? What is your next move? God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to share this word with our church family. I pray you help us to walk in healing and freedom and deliverance from the root of offense and bitterness. That we see our selfishness exposed, holding on to that junk and empowering that situation. And I pray freedom in Jesus' name over every heart and every mind in this place that we begin to love like you loved, that we begin to forgive quickly, that we begin to get, confront the negativity and confront the individual and confront the things that need to be confronted and do it in love. And that we pray regularly. And I pray, Father, that you would stir up in us, Lord, such a desire to trust in you even more and to step out in faith even when perhaps we don't see the things happen like we want. I pray you give people in this room courage to do what needs to be done so that they can be free, so that you can be glorified, so that reconciliation can happen. Lord, because that's going to magnify you all the more because you are the God of restoration and reconciliation. And we want to be a people who are called by your name to model that and to live that in a greater way. Help us do that. Help us have the courage to do it. And I pray, Father, that we'll be obedient. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.